0: One of the leading stressors in life today for a whole lot of people is money. Doesn't matter if you have a lot of money or a little, financial concerns have traditionally been a cause of great stress. Issues related to finances are one of the leading causes of divorce. And in those relationships it's not usually the lack of money that creates the strain, but a difference in attitude towards money and how to spend it or that creates the tension and the division. And it's not just in our own lives and families that financial concerns top the list of stressors. It's also in our nation. For many Americans, it's one of the great concerns we have for our country, whether it's over the over $20 trillion in national debt, or our home values, or the rising cost of living as a nation, we share a concern about our financial future. After the fiscal crisis of 2009, people rallied around two main causes of the financial meltdown. To sum it up, one side said that it was the greed of Wall Street and the fact that there were no financial controls on what was taking place in the stock market that created problems. The other side said it was a political agenda that created regulations which forced banks to lend money to people who had such bad credit they would never be able to pay off what they had borrowed. And while there's probably some truth on both sides, neither side addressed the real cause of the problem. The cause of our financial problems, whether it's at the national level or at the personal level, the cause you'll never hear discussed in the national media is not a fiscal problem, it's not a money problem. It's a spiritual problem. And it's a spiritual problem that has plagued us for a long, long time. In the fourth century, there was a Christian teacher and theologian who compiled a list of eight evil thoughts that 200 years later in 590 AD, Pope Gregory I turned into what we know today as the seven deadly sins. And those sins are lust, gluttony, greed, sloth, wrath, envy, and pride. Now the original Greek word for lust used in this list is luxuria, which uh, is where we get the English word luxury, which can also mean reckless extravagance, indulging in more than what we really need in life. Gluttony can mean the same thing. We think of it in terms of food and how, and the, the, the often picture uh, that we paint is a glutton is someone sitting down at a table and just shoveling rich food into their mouth but gluttony can also mean an overindulgence or an overconsumption of just about anything. So luxuria, uh, gluttony, and greed are the first three of the seven deadly sins. Do you notice the importance of those three in our life? They all have something to do with money or wealth or possessions or attitude about those things. They have to do with the desire that we have for more and more and Possessions, or food, or money, or the things of this world. So you see, the root cause of our financial problems—it's not money. It's not a fiscal issue. It's not a money issue. It is a spiritual issue. We desire more and more of everything. As the Bible says, "It is the love of money which is the root of all evil." It's not the money that's the problem. It is the love of money. It is our desire for more. It's our lust, our gluttony, our greed that are the real problem. Now Jesus sums up this spiritual issue in Matthew's Gospel, the sixth chapter, beginning with verse 19. And he says, Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also when our treasure is on earth and found in our home value in our IRA in our bank account in our investments then that's where our hearts gonna be which means that these are things that we love these are things that we trust in and as long as these earthly treasures are secure everything in our life is fine and as you know but when they're threatened when as jesus said they're in danger of moths or consuming or rust destroying then our lives begin to spin out of control and that's what began to happen in 2008 up until then we as americans lived with three basic assumptions in life the first one is that our income would always go up our income would always go up every every year we expected a raise or at least a cost-of-living increase. The second assumption was that the stock market would always go up. There might be some highs and lows and some painful corrections along the way, but we assumed that the value of our investments would always rise. And the third assumption we made was that the value of our homes would always increase and always be secure. See, real estate was the one place we felt we could invest our money where it would be sure that moth would not eat it and rust wouldn't destroy it. It was the safest of all investments until about 2008. And it was then that we began to realize that real estate and home values were as shaky and risky as anything else. So for many years we placed our faith in those three basic assumptions. But in 2008 when the value of housing started to fall and the stock market started to fall and people lost their jobs or either uh, uh, didn't receive a raise or had to take a pay cut to keep their jobs, things began to crumble. The things we trusted in started to come apart. And again, the problem wasn't financial as much as it was spiritual. We had placed our faith and our trust in the basic assumption that our life was anchored in our income, in our investments, and they would always go up. And so it was okay for us to desire more and more of this world's goods. now in many ways it is this desire for more that gets us into trouble it was the, it was the same desire for more that got Adam and Eve in trouble way back in the beginning at creation think about it they were told that they could have anything in the Garden of Eden anything they wanted this was paradise God provided abundantly everything they wanted except they could not have one thing the fruit of one tree and what was it that they began to desire more than anything else it was the fruit from that one tree they weren't content with what they could have they wanted more they wanted it all and in many ways it is that same desire that leads us into trouble when our desire For more and more and more in this world leads leads us to make foolish decisions. We begin to buy things we can't afford and we live beyond our means, which means that we're living on tomorrow's money today and that does just one thing. It makes us a slave to our money. And whether it's as a nation or as a family, when we live on tomorrow's money today, when we mortgage our future for the things we want today, we become a slave to money, which creates stress and we begin to spin our lives out of control because as jesus said we can't serve two masters we were created to serve god we were created to desire god and to live our life in relationship with god above everything else but when we replace that desire for god with a desire for things the things of this world we are no longer serving and loving god we're serving and loving money and that becomes the focus and the priority of our life So what's the answer to this kind of of out-of-control living? Well, the answer is the same one we heard on the very first week of this series, if you were here. When our lives become too busy, when our lives seem to be getting out of control, we just have to stop. That's the first step, stop. And begin to admit that our lives are out of control and that we need to live life differently we call that repentance repentance means to turn around it means to stop the direction we're going and and uh, start doing uh, the things that god wants us to do in life we're to stop uh, living the way uh, that we're living wrong ways and look at to god to show us new ways that we can live we stop and begin to make some changes so that we can go in a new direction the antidote to the stress and the confusion that our financial problems create isn't just that we sit down and make a budget and cut up our credit cards and refinance our homes all of those things may need to happen by the way but that's not the only answer the real answer is to repent the real antidote to our out of control financial lives is to free ourselves from the spiritual desire that we have for more of what this world has to offer and cultivate a deeper desire and hunger for God and if you go back to Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 we see that Jesus said this very thing he said seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and God will give you everything that you need seek first God's will God's direction God's Desire for your life if we get that relationship, right? If God and his purposes and his plan become the priority priority of our life Everything else begins to fall into place When we begin to live according to God's word and God's will for us then the issues that we struggle with and worry about will begin to work themselves out including our finances so the question becomes how do we practically place God before money how do we begin to seek god's kingdom first and desire god more than the things of this world and trust god more than we trust in our money the bible has one clear answer and honestly it's an answer we talk a lot about here at redeemer but makes a lot of us uncomfortable the answer is tithing the answer is learning to give our best to god giving at least 10 percent of all we have to god in response to the bible's call and direction to do that the answer is developing a lifestyle of generosity it's putting the needs of others above our own it's making god's work a priority you know i realized something very early on in my ministry and that is that this issue seems to make church people squirm in their seats which shows me that it really is a spiritual issue for all of us it makes us uncomfortable because so much of the time money is, in, is what we trust in ultimately do you know that Jesus talked more about financial issues and faith and trust in the things of this world than he talked about anything else that's because he knew it was a deep spiritual issue for us so I wanna talk just a few moments today about tithing, but please understand that I'm not talking about tithing today as a, spiritual, as a financial practice as much as I am a spiritual practice. And I'm not encouraging any of us to give in order to meet the church's budget. That's not the point of this at all. I'm encouraging all of us to think about tithing as a spiritual discipline that will help us to place more of our faith and our trust in God which in turn can free us from being a slave to finances and maybe bring some solutions to our financial problems. Tithing is the practice of bringing to God one-tenth of what God has given to us. And in the Bible, this tither offering was to be the first and the best of what people had. So for those who grew crops, they would give a tenth of the fruit from their very first harvest, and they gave their first fruits because those were always the best. And I think they also gave their first fruits in order to make sure that they actually gave God something. If they waited till the end of the harvest, not only would the produce be of lesser quality, but there might not be enough. And for those who tended flocks of sheep and goats and cattle, they would give the best of their flock or their herd. The unblemished animals to God, the offerings they gave weren't the damaged animals that weren't any good for anything else. They gave their best and by giving God their first and their best the people were making a spiritual statement to themselves and to God and to the world they were saying I love God I trust God and I'm seeking God's purpose in my life more than anything else giving the first and the best tenth of what we have also frees us from the stronghold of greed because you know it says I don't need this to survive what I need to survive in this life is the power and the presence and the blessing of God giving to God today is the same thing it's a spiritual discipline we give primarily to free us from the hold that money has on our lives and we give to God to free us from the first three of those seven deadly sins we give a tenth to God to say to God you know I love you and I trust you more than I trust anything else in this world And when we don't tithe, when we rationalize to ourselves that we can't give that much because we won't be able to survive financially in this world, then what we're really saying is that God is not first in our life. And we don't trust that God has the ability and the power to provide for us. I'm going to say that again. If we don't tithe because we don't think we will be able to survive financially in this world, then what we are saying is that god is not first in our life and that we don't trust god to provide for us when we rationalize all the reasons why we can't give a tenth of our income and resources to god what we're really saying is god i don't trust you to care for us and provide for us tithing and giving our first and best to god is deeply a spiritual issue it's not a financial issue but it's one that we have to get serious about in our walk with christ and let me be clear about tithing And that is that it's something difficult for people at all ends of the financial spectrum. When people aren't making a lot of money each week, the thought of tithing is pretty difficult. For example, if we're only making minimum wage on a 40 hour week job, our take home pay hardly seems to be enough to live on. So how could we possibly give a 10th of that to God? Think about it, if your take home pay is $300 a week, that's a $20 bill and a $10 bill every week. And it seems impossible on such a small income that we could give that much and still survive. So many people don't do it. They honestly think they can't. But the same struggle affects people at the other end of the income bracket. For someone making 100000 a year, a weekly tithe would look like $200. That's two $100 bills every week. And that's a lot of money to give away. And many think it's just impossible to do that so whether it's 30 or 200 tithing is a struggle for people at all income levels which tells us very clearly that this is not a financial issue it's a spiritual issue and as long as we trust in our money more than we trust in god we will always be a slave to the money and what frees us from this bondage is actually giving to god what frees us from slavery and deepens our faith and our trust in god is actually doing what god is calling us to do and giving to god the way God gives to us generously. In this case, less is really more. Less money in our pockets means more faith and trust in God, and, and that's one of the first steps in bringing our life back into focus when our life is out of control. If stepping into tithing seems impossible, then I invite you to take this, this year and try it. Figure out what percentage of your income you're currently giving to God, and if it's not at least 10%, then commit to increasing that giving 1% a month. If you do that by next Christmas, you'll be tithing. And I guarantee, no, I don't guarantee, God guarantees that if you do that, you will be stronger in your faith, and your needs will be cared for. That's what Jesus promises us in Matthew 6.33. When we place God first in our life by entering into this faith journey of giving our first and our best to God, then all the things that people around us worry about, including finances, are gonna be cared for. It won't mean that we have everything we desire, it will mean that God will provide all that we need. It won't mean that all of our financial burdens will go away overnight, or we won't have to make some difficult decisions, but if we trust God more than we trust money, god will provide for us and the stress of those finances will begin to melt away now let me be clear and say that tithing is really just the spiritual foundation on which we begin to build there are many other sound biblical and financial practices that we can use to help bring order and control to our chaotic out of control lives we can make a budget we can make a spending plan to see where our money's going and making sure that's going where we want it to go We can If we make a budget, then we have to be sure to stick to it. We can start paying cash for things so we begin to see just how much we are spending. I don't know about you, but when I use that credit card, it's easy to spend more than I might otherwise spend. Try going back to some basic principles of finance and actually save up for things you want instead of buying it now and paying for it over time with interest. You can also make sure you aren't buying just to make yourself feel better. The world says, you know, if you're stressed out, go shopping. But shopping is not good therapy when we're feeling stressed. In fact, it leads a lot of people to a lot more stress. John Wesley, who founded the Methodist movement, also gave us some pretty sound financial advice when he said, earn all you can, give all you can, and save all you can. That was pretty good advice back in the mid-1700s and it's still good advice today. Financial planners today invite us to um, save all we can. In fact, many advise us to pay ourselves first and then spend from what's left. Something else that can help us begin our lives uh, on, on less would be to go through our homes and begin to give away things we no longer want or need. See, the process of letting go can actually bring health and strength and begin to free us from the hold that goods and possessions has over us. In fact, Jesus told a parable a story, uh, it's recorded for us in Luke's Gospel, the 12th chapter, and he told this story about a foolish man who didn't like to let go of anything but continued to amass a great fortune of this world's goods. And he built bigger barns and storehouses to hold all of his belongings and that became the focus of his life until one day it was too late listen to how jesus tells it then someone called from the crowd teacher please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me jesus replied friend who made me a judge over you to decide such things as that then he said beware guard against every kind of greed life is not measured by how much you own then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have any uh, room for my, all my crops. And then he said, I know, I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. And then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. And I'll sit back and say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you're a fool. You will die this very night, and then who will get everything you work for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. You know, maybe it's time for some of us to let go of things and not cling to them, the things of this world, to let go of our stuff, to let go of our money in order to gain more faith and trust and gain that blessing of God when we actually are able to free ourselves from the hold that money and possessions has on us, something wonderful begins to happen. We will begin to see more clearly the true blessings of life. We'll be able to listen more carefully to God and to others. We'll be able to think more deeply about the things that matter in this world. We'll be able to savor the fullness of life itself and we'll be able to serve and love God effectively with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. see when we get all of this right much more of our life will come under god's control and we'll have finally that peace that peace that we all crave let's pray merciful god we live in a society that focuses on gathering things we collect we store we gather up all sorts of things in our energies often get focused on those things instead of the needs of the people around us So forgive us and turn us around to look at the ways in which our wealth can be used for healing and hope God enable us to be in ministry to those in need and and to one another as we place our trust in you You give us to us so abundantly so generously Now let us be able to give back to you so that we may always experience your blessing and your mercy and your care and it's in jesus name we pray